Begin at verse number eight. <clears throat> and there were shepherds living in the, out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Be not afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men to whom his favor rests, a peace and goodwill toward men. I want to talk about celebrating Christ. Celebrating Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. And I thank you, Lord, that you'll prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. I pray now, and I ask you, Lord, to grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing this day. Lord God, bring clarity of thought, clarity of speech, Lord God, even clarity in receiving your word this day. Our hearts and our minds, our spirits are open to you that, we, that you might speak to us, Lord, and that we might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Celebrating Christ. Celebrating Christ. Hallelujah. Generally, uh, a celebration is a festive occasion. Amen. I think um, our opening song this morning was supposed to be joy to the world, the Lord has come. Amen. Let earth receive her king. Amen. Yeah, yeah, joy to the world, the Lord has come. So when you think about the celebration of, of the birth of Christ, uh, it, is, it is a time of happiness, a time of, of great joy. You know, and as I begin to think about this, I remember hearing, a, um, I think this was on um, uh, 106.9 one day, uh, they were talking about Christ, they were talking about Christmas, Christ, and Santa Claus. And, you know, I began to reflect on that and reflect on uh, the fact of, of this being a celebration and ask the question, why is it that we celebrate? Because for many people, we don't celebrate Christ at this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though we talk about Jesus, it's, it has turned from being a celebration of Christ to being something far different. Christmas, Christmas for many people is not a time to worship Christ or celebrate Christ. If we would call a worship service on Christmas morning, it would be an inconvenience to most people. 
because most people see Christmas as a day to spend time with family, and we've, 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 we've programmed our children to get up and open their gifts in the morning, and we don't see it as a time to come and worship. But when you even look at the word Christmas, it's Christ Mass. Mass is worship, the worship of Christ. Amen, the worship of Christ. So, you know, yeah, I began to think about this thing, and I thought about just a saying. If I started this, some of you all would be able to finish it. Twas the night when not, not, and stockings and hope and mom, what? Mom and her kerchief and me and my cat had just for a when there I to when then what and open the window and <laughs> throughout the sash now okay now follow me close your Bibles Close your Bibles. Finish this. Let me see where I will start with. Y'all see where I'm going, right? We can't, we can't quote the scripture like that. We can't follow the Christmas story in the Bible like that. We can't quote that. We know the account of Santa Claus and St. Nicholas that has nothing to do with Christ. Has nothing at all to do with Christ. But we know that. We learn it as little children. We could do the 12 days of Christmas. Not the, not the funny one. <laughs> but the other one. But we know that. We, we know that. But when it comes to the Christ account, and even if I just did um, uh, uh, the portion that said, suddenly there appeared, very few people will be able to finish that scripture of the angels appearing. Yeah. And, 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 and they said, I don't hear anything. I heard fear not. Then I heard. But I don't hear the same sound that I heard earlier from towards the night before the Christmas. I don't hear that. I don't hear that volume. I don't hear people talking. But this is a celebration of Christ, not a celebration of Santa Claus. Two accounts, two stories, and that day on 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 one hundred six point nine on focus of the fa on the family, they were talking about what do you tell your children about Christmas and Santa Claus, you know? How do you bring the two together? And of course, you know my position. There's no such thing as Santa Claus, so you need to tell your children don't bring them up telling them that lie, because it's a lie. It's not the truth, you know. 
So just don't bring them up. Just tell them the truth. But this lady was saying, of course, you know, people justify things. This lady was saying well, she, that she tells her children that St. That Nicholas has nothing to do with Christ. They're two separate stories, two totally different stories. One deals with the birth, birth of the Savior, and one, uh, Santa Claus is like a fairy tale. St. Nicholas, was, of course, was a real person, if you know the account, all right, who went around giving gifts to poor people at Christmas time. Right, which is not what we do. We don't give gifts to poor people at Christmas time. We give gifts to each other. You know what we used to do in church? We every every ministry would pull names. Y'all remember those days? Pull names, and if you're a part of this club, you pull names. At school, we would pull names, and we would bring gifts, and we would share gifts. But giving to poor people, we don't make it a practice at Christmas that we will go through communities and find people that are less fortunate than we are, are not as blessed as we are, and give to them. We give to each other. And many of us will spend a whole lot of money this, at every year, this time of the year, giving to, to people that already have. And most of our children, you know, when we were, you, you always hear me say this, when we were children, we didn't get anything during the year. We got a new suit. A new pair of clothes for revival meeting or Easter, and that was it. You had your Sunday go to meeting stuff, and that was really Sunday go to meeting. When you came home from church, you took off your church clothes. Because that was the best, and they had to last you all year. I mean, mom and daddy just didn't go shopping. They couldn't afford to go shopping. And not that we had a whole lot of, that we did have a whole lot. But, but they just couldn't afford to do it. I mean, to live from day to day. But now our children are getting all of the time. There is not any of our children, 99% of our children, that don't get something new throughout the year. We put those boxes out on the, on the sofa. We have little boxes we put out on the sofa. We'll be thankful, thankful to get an apple and an orange and some candy. Yeah, because we, listen, we didn't even get apples and oranges during the year. I see Sister Sheriff's little boy come in eating an apple already this morning. We didn't get an apple throughout the year unless we picked it off the tree. And what mama would do with the apples off the tree was she'd be canning those for winter. We couldn't just eat them. Are you hearing me? But now we're getting stuff on during the year. So, so Christmas does not have the significance that it ought to have for us, and even spiritually, it does not have the significance that it should have for us because we relegate it to what we do for Christmas will happen on Sunday. And what we do on Tuesday, probably for many of us, will not have anything to do with spirituality for many people. Will not have very, will not have anything to do us. So our focus is not on the Christ. Our focus is not on celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. We are so far removed in one sense from the time of the birth of Christ that his birth for us unless, unless we have been born again and we really focus on his the meaning of Christ in our lives, we are so far removed from the first century Christians that 
you know, this, this birth just has no significance for us. I, I looked at this thing, and I, and I began to do a little bit of research on what the world was like during the time that Jesus was born. Yeah. And, and, and I, I read upon one author that, that, that had some interesting things um, uh, that he wrote, and he talked about the world being full of darkness. Uh, and, and, and really, unless we have a revelation of the light that Christ brought into the world, unless we understood the darkness, we could not have a revelation of the light that Jesus brought into the world. We'll sing the song, Jesus is the light of the world, all right? But do we really understand the significance of the darkness? You know, one of the things that, 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 that I'm enjoying doing with our teenagers is enjoying seeing the things that they don't understand so that I can help bring light to them. Because they've been in church, like many adults, but they don't understand the darkness. And many adults don't understand the darkness. That's why we can perpetuate stuff in the church. If you understood darkness, you would do everything you could to love one another. If you understood the effects of darkness, you would make sure that your personality was such that people could get along with you. But because you don't understand darkness, you tend to feel that you can be who you are, do what you want to do, say what you want to say, act the way you want to act because you don't understand darkness and the effects of darkness. Therefore, the birth of Christ becomes very insignificant. It becomes significant when you want to be spiritual, which is not 24-7. Because most of us don't want to be spiritual 24-7. Many Christians want to be spiritual when it's beneficial for them to be spiritual. So when we go to the scripture, and the scripture says, let your conversation be as become of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then what about when we want to play and have fun? How do we make sure that even in our fun time, our conversation befits or becomes the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you understanding me? The Bible is saying to me that there is no time and no place that I have room to be unspiritual. This is what the Bible is saying to me. Now, even though I don't always live up to that, I understand that this is what the Bible is saying. I cannot take liberty with my salvation and with my spirituality. But I do that because I don't understand fully the effects of darkness. And that's the problem in the church, that people do not understand darkness. Because most of us do not feel that we were ever in darkness. We gave our lives to Jesus because somebody said it was the right thing to do or because we didn't want to go to hell. Most of us have never been converted.
got saved because you believed Jesus. But you did not allow the regeneration to take place in your life. Got to be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus. We stop telling people you got to be born again. Got to get saved. All you got to do is believe Jesus. That's why I said, you know, if I ask many a question, many adults in here the question, why are you saved? What, what does the scripture say? What did you do to make sure that you were saved? And most of you would say, I believed in Jesus and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. But that's not the right answer. The right answer is because I trusted in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. That's why I'm saved. I put my trust in his finished work. That's why I got so many adults coming back to be saved all over again. You have children do the same thing because nobody ever told them what he did was finished. It's over and done with. There's no more sacrifice for sin. Until you trust in his finished work. Until you trust in his finished work. You can say, I believe all day long. But what about the finished work? What do you believe? Am I all right? We know answers, but we don't know scriptural answers. It's time for us to know scriptural answers. Amen? When we look at the world that Christ was born in, uh, one of the things that, 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 that from, a, from a, a spiritual point of view, Christ came at a time when the word of God had not been heard for four centuries. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Now, now listen, for some of y'all don't even know what Malachi is. I know this is far removed from us because we have Bibles. And most of us have two and three Bibles at home. But you got to know that Jewish people didn't have scrolls. Everybody didn't have a scroll in their house. That was not a compiled Bible. Even first century Christians didn't have Bibles per se. All right? So they couldn't just go and pick up the scriptures and read. They depended upon the priest when they went to worship. They depended upon the prophet to bring the prophetic word of the Lord. So in every house, there was not a scroll. And if people did have a scroll, they didn't have 66. They didn't have 37. They didn't have 29. They didn't have one. So for four centuries, the word of the Lord had not been heard. Four centuries. How many, how many, how many years is a century? 400 years. Can you imagine? No, you can't imagine. 400 years without the word of the Lord. And Malachi concluded with the statement that God would send Elijah, the prophet, as a forerunner uh, for, for the Messiah. But since that last statement, which would eventually be fulfilled in John the Baptist, God had been silent for 400 years. And everybody knew it. Listen to some of the writings, some of the Jewish writings. From the Babylonian Talmud, Yahmat. 9b. Now, listen, I preach from the Bible, okay?
okay? But this is for sake of understanding, all right? Yoma 9, verse 9, second part of the verse. After the latter prophets, Haggai, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi had died, the Holy Spirit departed from Israel. But they still availed themselves of the voice from heaven. Josephus, a noted historian uh, from the book Against Apion, from Artaxerxes to our own times, a complete history has been written, but has, has not been deemed worthy of equal credit with the earlier records because of the failure of the exact succession of the prophets. Speaking of their 400 years. First Maccabees says, so they tore down the altar and stored the stones in a convenient place on the temple hill until there should come a prophet to tell them what to do. 400 years of silence. And they knew that it was silence. They knew that there was not a word from heaven. Without the word of the Lord among them, the people walked in darkness. They walked in darkness. They walked in darkness. Secondly, the people of God were under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. And they hated the Romans. You know, if you know anything about, uh, about the Hebrew people, about their, 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 their pride in being God's chosen people, their, their, their nationalistic spirit, they hated being under the Roman occupation. All right? They no longer lived in Babylon, but in many ways they were exiles in their own country. Even their own temple was built by a foreigner. Herod the, Gate, Herod the Great was a descendant of a rival nation. So even in politics, they lived in darkness. They were under the domination of Rome. Thirdly, the nation of Israel was facturing. I mean, there were at least four different groups in Israel, all right, uh, that fought, fought to lead the people. You got the Pharisees that resided in Jerusalem. You know the Pharisees, very legalistic. Uh, they, they wanted to shape their religious life uh, through their traditions. Um, uh, you had the Sadducees that opposed the strict legalism of the Pharisees and only embraced the Mosaic law. They rejected the resurrection, the belief in angels, but still had an influential place in the temple and in the law courts. Then you had the Essenes who lived in a, uh, a commune uh, near Qumran. Uh, they, were, they were the scribes who penned and preserved the Dead Sea Scrolls and lived an especially pure life. Then you had the zealots that were a band of brothers uh, who didn't, uh, didn't pray for change uh, so much as they fought violence, uh, sought violent means of overthrowing the Roman government. With all of these four groups competing with each other, can you imagine the religious confusion that was going on in the country among the Jews. There was tension everywhere. Darkness was everywhere. And then you had the, host, the hostile forces of Herod who hated the Jews. And it actually, when you begin to read the accounts, you see that he is the one that was so paranoid about his position uh, uh, and power uh, that he had his own family executed 
And when he couldn't find out where the Christ child was born, he sent out a decree and had every child under the age of two killed. This is the time, these are the climates, this is the atmosphere that Christ was born into. That's not our situation physically. But there's still darkness. There's still darkness. So we come to Christ, we come to the Christ of the Bible, and many times we don't understand the history of the, of the nation, so, you know, and you're, gonna, you're not going to find it in the Bible. You've got to do some research and some reading. And so we come into the church and we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord and we say he's the light of my life. But un until we can get a sense of darkness, we don't know where that light really is. So when it comes to celebrating him, we just go through the motions most of the time. There's no real celebration of Jesus. You know, when there's a real high worship, sometimes you have to wonder if everybody's celebrating Jesus. Are they just going through some emotional calisthenics? Or oh, feel good, the music made them feel good, and somebody started dancing, and they started dancing too. It has nothing at all to do was celebrating Jesus Christ. Until you come to the place in your life that you understand the darkness that you were in. That you understand the hostility of the enemy against you. Satan really comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you can look at your life and see that the devil has tried to destroy you and has employed means and methods against you in your life to destroy you. Can you really see it? It's then that we begin to be see why we need this Jesus. Santa Claus doesn't suffice. St. Nicholas doesn't suffice. Only Jesus, the Christ, could do for us what needed to be done. When we look at the political climate around us today, I mean, uh, Christians in America, doesn't suffer. we don't suffer persecution. We have not experienced any persecution in America for being a Christian. You might go to jail if you go out on the street corner and you're out there preaching with a, uh, with a, a frog horn and you don't have a permit. But we don't experience persecution. We can pray wherever we want to pray. Call a meeting wherever we want to call a meeting. You can go on the street corner and just sing about Jesus. You're not being persecuted. Your houses are not being burned down because you worship Jesus. Christians in this nation are not being accused of any, 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 any serious tragedy so that the rest of the nation comes up against us and persecute us. but it's happening in other parts of the world. Why don't we pray for the nations? Because there are Christians in these nations that are really being persecuted. What do you think is going to happen when the people in Mali who experienced, even though it was a Muslim nation, because of, of the historicity of Mali and the significance of Mali in the world, 
they have freedom of religion. Now the Islamist extremists are coming in. Many of them are going into Algeria, which is a Muslim nation. What do you think is going to happen to them? Jesus Christ makes a difference. And when we understand, when we really understand darkness and how the Lord has delivered us out of this darkness. I mean, you know Christians in America ought to be on fire for Jesus. We ought to be on fire for Jesus. Our sanctuaries ought to be packed on Sunday. We ought to be living for him. We ought to be just, just giving our whole selves for him. Because he's brought us into a nation. We're born into a nation that we have freedom to worship him. We have access. But because we have so much, we're almost like the Israelites, God said, I'm going to bring you into the land. And, and, and I want you to give these commandments. I want you to take these, learn these commandments less, and I'm paraphrasing, less after you get into the land and you start mixing with the people, you forget about me. That's what happens in America. We tend to forget about God. We forget about God. Oh, no. We think about him when it's convenient. We casually sing a song about him. That's not what the Lord wants. Elder Hoskins, I'm going to do something. You better not hit me back. <laughs> I don't want to hurt, hurt you now. All right. This is what the Lord wants. The Lord wants, we're not. The Lord wants you to remember him. That's what the Lord wants. The Lord doesn't want you to slap me back. That's what the Lord wants. You can sit down. I ain't going you no more. We forget about God in the time of persecution. We forget about, when I say persecution, I'm not talking about serious persecution. When folk are talking about us, we forget about God. When things are not going our way, we forget about God. Somebody rub us the wrong way, we forget about God. We're ready to go to battle. We're ready to strike back. Yes. And it's in those times when we exemplify Jesus that we're really celebrating him. You know? Yeah, the songs of praises are wonderful. But most of the time, the songs of praises are coming at good times in our lives. Amen. We talking about taking we talk about taking off the spirit of heaviness and putting on the garment of praise. Do you know how difficult that is for most Christians? Because we like wearing that spirit of heaviness. Some of y'all came this morning with that spirit on you. You had that spirit of heaviness on you. You came in the church with the spirit of heaviness. On you. And you've been walking around with that spirit of heaven that's on you. That's right. And it don't feel heaven no more because you're used to it. You've been walking around with it so long that you're used to it. 
That spirit of heaven, you want to come get it off, you can, but it ain't that heavy right now. You understand what I'm saying? And so when the Bible says that he's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, we, under, we know what the Bible says, but we are so accustomed to wearing the spirit of heaviness that we will walk around with it and we will not take it off. Matter of fact, some of us want people to see our heaviness. Some of us want somebody, what's wrong with you today? So we can spill our guts. Some of us. And, 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 and then when you deal with that, that's not a celebration of Christ. Let me, let me move on. I don't want to preach too long this morning. We're going to celebrate him in a few minutes. When Jesus came into the midst of this darkness, when he came into the midst of the darkness, now, now I understand this, and I read the scripture, and, and I understand that, that um, when, uh, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, I understand that Jesus had just been born only a few days, um, and when the wise men went and brought him gifts, it had not been 10 years, it had only been uh, a few days that he had been born. So I understand that there was a process of, of, of him being revealed, all right? But this was, this was the fulfillment of a prophecy, but in the words of the angels, it speaks to us about celebration, all right? The angels said, uh, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be assigned to you, uh, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, and this is King James, I'm quoting, and NIV is different. Uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there a great company. It wasn't just the one angel bringing the message now. But suddenly in the heavens there was a great crowd of angels, amen, uh, that gathered and they were praising God and they were saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I looked at that and I said now in that there is celebration. I know that it had to be worked out in, in, in the lives of people but when people begin to understand the significance of Christ being born it ought to cause us to celebrate. Every time we think about Jesus we ought to celebrate. We're not waiting until a special time of the year to wish you a Merry Christ Mass, but every Sunday we wish you a Merry Christ Mass, and you can have Mass seven days a week, amen? So every day is a merry day, amen? When I begin to understand the significance of Christ being born, part of the significance comes out of the fact that these people lived in oppression. So with the birth of Christ, Hope has, is now engendered in the people. Hope. Isaiah says it wonderfully. Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. 
Ah, yes, yes, yes. No longer will we be under Roman domination. But the prophetic word is that, that this Christ shall be ruler, shall be king, and Israel shall be king of kings and lord of lords. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Hope is brought to the people. In Christ, hope comes. In Christ, hope comes. Today, my hope is not in my mom and my daddy. My hope is not in my education. My hope is in Jesus. Why is my hope in Jesus? Because I finally got a revelation of the gloom and the darkness of life without Jesus Christ. I don't want that life anymore. I don't want any part of that life anymore. Are you understanding? My hope is in Jesus. Jesus brought hope into the world. I'm almost finished. Almost finished. He was not just the Savior. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised Messiah. Through Christ, yokes would be destroyed and burdens would be removed. Yeah. Hope. Hope. And then they said, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. If there's continual fighting, continual rivalries, continual struggles, continual being under Roman domination, continually being oppressed, continually suffering. Because generally when you live in a nation and it's not your nation and the other people are in charge, you're the ones who suffer. I remember uh, visiting the uh, Buddha Buren refugee camp in Ghana where many Liberians lived. They were, they were refugees from Liberia during the Civil War. And seeing the conditions of the people and the poverty of the people and how difficult it was for them to get jobs. I mean, there were tens of thousands of Liberians living in this camp. Now, they had established their own uh, little economy and they were able to, 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 to do some things. But for the most part, the people depended upon the United Nations to bring them rice, to bring them certain, certain foods to eat because they were not in their own nation. They were poor people, literally poor in their own nation. I mean, living in another nation. They were not in their own nation. When you're in a nation that's not your own and you are in exile, don't think it's going to be fun. It's not. They had no peace. But the angel came and said, with the birth of Christ, peace has come. Maybe you got peace in your life. If you got peace, I'll tell you where it came from. Jesus Christ. He gives peace that passes all understanding. And let me tell you something. If you're going through something in your life and there's turmoil and confusion in your life and you just can't be settled, try Jesus. He'll give you peace that you cannot understand. You will not be able to understand how you can sleep at night when so much turmoil is going on around you. 
you'll not be able to understand how you can have, at, how you can be, at, or either other people won't be able to understand, how you can be at ease and function when everything seems to be falling down around you. It's the peace that Jesus gives. We celebrate him because of the peace that he brings. He brings peace. He brings peace. He is a wonderful counselor. He has a way of ministering to you even without talking to you. Without you laying down on the couch and him sitting in the seat and writing stuff down asking you questions. He has a way of ministering to you to bring peace in your life. He came to give you peace. He is the prince of peace. He's not the author of confusion. He does not bring confusion in your life. He brings peace in your life. He come, he has come to give you peace. Peace and goodwill toward men. You know, one of the things that, that I notice about Christians, whenever you notice, when, if you pay attention between Christians and Muslims, right, there is a difference in the way we do things and handle situations. You can talk about God all day long. You can blaspheme Jesus. We ain't going to shoot you. Are y'all with me? You follow me? God has instilled something inside of us through the Holy Ghost. And we understand that, you know, there will come a day that the wheat will be separated from the tares and, and God can fight that battle. So he didn't put us here to be at war with other people. Early on in Christianity, uh, the Catholic Church made the mistake of, of engaging in crusades against non-Christians. That's part of the reason that Muslim hates Christians today. Because they were trying to force people to become Christians. But it's something that the Holy Ghost instills in a believer. And you can tell when a person has truly been born again because of the goodwill that's in their heart. The goodwill. We will not have much. We'll be like the widow that's about to bake our last cake of bread and die. And somebody come and say, I need, and we'll find a way to give. That's goodwill. Where did it come from? It came from the Jesus who lives inside of us. How does Jesus live in us? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you understanding me? Goodwill. Goodwill. I could be wrong about this, and I don't read this anywhere in the Bible. So this is me, and it ain't God. All right? I believe that one of the reasons that the Lord has preserved the United States of America is because we have shown goodwill throughout the world to millions of people. The missionary enterprise that has gone on from America through the, throughout here on this, on this continent and throughout the rest of the world has been beyond compare. Goodwill. Where did it come from? The Jesus that lives inside of us. So when Christ came, the angel came and the angel spoke and the angel said he came to bring peace and give goodwill to our people. How does he show goodwill? He shows it through us, saints. There's this thing going around now about 26 um, acts of kindness since the 
slaying up in Connecticut. You see it on Facebook, uh, on MSN. 26 acts of kindness. But for many believers, we've been showing goodwill even before this tragedy in Connecticut because it's a part of our nature, because of the Jesus who lives inside of us. So I can celebrate now because of peace and goodwill that has come in my life. God showed goodwill to me by sending Jesus. I didn't deserve him. It was a part of his favor. And that's the way the NIV translates those words. He talks about the favor of God that shall rest with the people. God's favor rests with me. And because his favor rests with me, I can show favor to somebody else. That's why we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate this Christ because of what he has done for this world, what he's doing in the lives of people, and what he will do in the lives of people, not because somebody gives me a gift. Not because I got to spend a whole lot of money so I can be, feel good in myself and make you feel good. No. Because of what God has already done. It's about Jesus. This is about celebrating Christ. This is about celebrating the Christ that, that God has given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent Jesus into this world, the greatest gift that has ever and will ever be given. Jesus Christ has made all of the difference in the world. We need to celebrate him. We need to celebrate him. We need to celebrate him. This Christmas season and every day, we need to make sure that we're celebrating Christ. Not Santa Claus, not Saint Nick, not even each other that we're celebrating Christ. Because when we celebrate Christ, everything we need to do for everybody else is going to come forth. Everything we need to do, and when we truly celebrate Christ, we're going to be motivated to do everything we need to do for everybody else. What did those shepherds do? They went back and they told, they went back to tell the message. The wise men wouldn't even go back to tell Herod. They went back another way, but I guarantee you they told the message because they met the Savior. What about us? Let's stand.